Good morning. If you've already read the bulletin, you know that we have some really good news to share with you, but I'll be sharing that at the end of Mass. It's an incentive not to leave after communion. Everything Jesus does, he does out of love. As the perfect image of God, he does everything out of love. Everything he did in scripture, he does out of love. And it's important for us to recognize as we listen today to today's gospel, well, Jesus makes a whip out of cords and he goes into the temple driving out all of those selling the sheep and the oxen, right? Imagine, imagine being there. You're in the temple and Jesus, the rabbi, comes in and everyone begins to look at him because at this time he was very famous and popular and people were just listening to every single word. And then all of a sudden he pulls out a whip and he starts whipping and turning over tables. Imagine them saying, oh, look, there's Jesus. Oh, my goodness, he's got a whip. Run! Right? So this, this incredible act, right, was done out of love. You see, the context here is that the, the temple was the place of communion with God. It was the place of God's dwelling among his people. It was the place that people came and offered sacrifice and were commun had communion with him. It was a place of prayer. And Jesus coming into the temple was this prophetic sign that God wants to drive out evil from the human race. He wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with us. And this is ultimately what, was, what happened in the person of Jesus, in his very body. He became that temple that he drove out evil from the human race. It's funny, when Jesus' disciples see him, they remember the scripture, zeal for your house consumed me. Jesus has a zealous love for us to belong completely to God. So theologically speaking, we know that Jesus is the new temple. We also know that the church as his body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we also believe that each individual Christian at baptism who's filled with the presence of God is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's, there's this responsibility for us to allow Jesus to drive out evil from our life so that we can be his dwelling place. And there's no greater uh, threat to his presence in our life than sin. Listen to today's first reading. God is giving us the Ten Commandments through Moses. The first commandment, I, the Lord, am your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that place of slavery. You shall not have other gods before me or beside me. Right, this God that we're commanded to worship is the God that saves us. I don't think we realize how significant that is. Let me put it another way. This God to whom we owe obedience, that, that very obedience is the response of his saving action in our life. Right, so God delivered the people of, of Israel from Egypt, from slavery, and the response is to worship him as a response to his saving power. It's the same thing for us. Our obedience to God is precisely in response to what he's done for us. When we understand this, we realize how people outside the church do not get this at all. The cynical unbeliever does not get this. They don't understand why we do what we do. They don't understand why we try to keep God's commandments. They think it's some, some arbitrary thing that we're just setting up. No, it's a response to God's saving action. 
And what's so powerful is that in the Old Testament, the primary analogy of for sin was idolatry. And an idol basically means placing anything or any person above God in our life. Anything that we place above God, a person or a situation or some desired good, has become an idol. Essentially, we're, in idolatry, we're looking for something in the idol that we only can receive in our relationship with God. And so this morning, I just want to offer three points about idolatry that I believe will help us to surrender to God's presence in our life so that we might live as his holy temples, of his holy dwelling in this world. Point number one, even good things can become idols. The good things in our lives can become idols. Think about all the good things that you have in your life. Your family, your friends, your job, all of your basic needs being met, the joy and the laughter, all of the beauty that's in this world, all of those things are from God. But when we choose to place them above God in priority in our life, then it becomes an idol. In fact, when it becomes an idol, we end up rejecting God and placing those things above us. And when we do that, God can't be who he says he is in our life. We can't have his joy and his love and his peace because we place something else above him in idolatry. You see, what's so powerful is that these things that are good, which are ultimately from him, if it's not held in him, it becomes a threat to our relationship with him. Sometimes when people come to confession, and they tell me that, you know, they haven't been coming to Mass on Sunday. And they say, well, I've missed Sunday Mass. I'll just simply say, I'm so grateful that you came to confession to receive God's mercy. And I'll just, just really welcome them back. And then I'll say, so what did you worship instead? They look at me like, what are you talking about? I said, what did you worship instead? The commandment is that we as Christians respond and we worship God every Sunday. What did you worship instead? Well, I had a hockey tournament, a soccer tournament, and we're on vacation, or, you know, I was just sleeping in, I was relaxing, and we're, you know, we just, it just kind of slipped my mind. And I just simply said, well, whatever that is, those things have become idols in your life. God is the source of soccer. He's a source of hockey. He certainly wants you to rest and have vacation, right? He's a source of all of these things, but you've put those things above God, and they have become your idols. So I say to them, does soccer love you? Did soccer die for you? Right? Can hockey save you from sin and death? And the answer is, well, well, no. See, part of what this is is recognizing that the good things that God gives to us can become idols in our life which take us away from the very things that he won for us. So that's point number one. Point number two, we need to make a choice every single day about what God we really want to serve. And this is critically important. We're either about the presence of God in our life or we're not. Every day we need to make that decision. Either we're about his dwelling in our life in love or, or we're not about that. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us struggle with the, our, our, our uh, desire for holiness. And, and, and just be honest with yourself. If you sincerely struggle showing up to prayer every day, sincerely struggle growing in purity, being a good friend, a good spouse, husband or a wife, or a good mother or father, if you are sincerely struggling in that, I want to tell you that I think God is very pleased with you. Because you're actually struggling, and that struggle is a part of the work of holiness. 
You see, the opposite is very scary, where people are not struggling at all. They've just given in. They're in full-fledged idolatry, and they don't even realize it. They really don't care about coming to Mass on Sunday. They really don't care about all these different things that Jesus calls them to, and they're in this full-fledged idolatry, and they don't know it. They have rejected the God of life from their life. And the dangerous part about that is, is that it's precisely then when God comes wanting to drive out evil from their life, that instead of allowing Jesus to drive out evil from their hearts, they end up driving Jesus and the church out of their hearts. And this is precisely what's happening in our culture today. The great temptation to say, I do not need faith. I do not need the church. I do not need Jesus. It's a very scary place to be in. We need to remember over and over again that the reason why Jesus wants to drive out sin from our life, the reason why he wants to drive out idols from our life is that he wants to dwell in us. He wants to give us his love, his peace, and his joy. That's what his presence does. And so maybe one of the reasons why we aren't experiencing his love, his joy, and his peace is because we're worshiping other gods above him and we're not allowing him to dwell in us. Point number three. The key to being free from idolatry is submitting everything to the Lordship of Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean that in prayer, surrendering all the things that we hold dear, all the good things that God has given to us, all the things that we long, we surrender them at his feet and let go of them, and we thank God for them in our life. And when that happens, the very act of doing that is placing Jesus above everything, thanking him above everything, is the very way by which we submit it to him. It's no accident that our worship of God primarily focuses on praise and thanksgiving. At the Eucharist, the most perfect sacrifice we offer to God is praise and thanksgiving, submitting everything to him. And in the mass, we gather all the prayers and sacrifices that we've done throughout the week, and we submit them at his feet in praise and thanksgiving for saving us. That's at the heart of worship. Let me be very specific about what this might look like. So Father Joan understands this. I, I bought a car recently, and I really like my car. I got a little Jeep Cherokee, right? And my concern was that I would like the car in an, in an attached way that would actually cause me to, be, to put it above my relationship with God. And so I really wanted to make sure that I did this. So I just submit it to Jesus. When I really find myself thinking about my car more than I really should, I just give it to Jesus and I say, thank you so much for this. And by doing that, I enjoy the gift that he's given to me rather than become attached to it, have it become an idol. See, this is the power of submitting everything to the power or to, to Jesus and his love and his lordship. My brothers and sisters, in a few moments, as you come forward to receive Holy Communion, the good news is, is that Jesus is not going to be coming with a whip. But I can assure you he wants to drive out evil from your life. I can assure you he wants to drive out the idols from your life so that you can belong completely to him, so that he can be who he says he is in your life. And so my encouragement, as you come to receive the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as you come and you recognize that you are his temple, as he comes into your temple, perhaps you could ask him, Jesus, what idols prevent me from loving you completely? What idols do you want to drive out of my life? What person or situation or, or relationship do I place above you 
that prevents me from loving you and you dwelling in me. And as, I, as we receive Jesus, I encourage you to submit them to him at his feet so that submitting them to him at his feet, you might be filled with the utter presence of God. Because only having been filled with his presence will we be able to bring his presence to this world which needs him more than ever.